Hello and welcome to another episode of the Haskin Cast Podcast. I am your host, Scott Haskin, and I am here today to review the re-release of Roger Glover's album Snapshot, or as you might see it labeled Snapshot Plus, because it has bonus stuff and uh, it's pretty cool, actually. It's also been remastered. The original inspiration for this album was actually an album called Naturally, which was the first solo album of J.J. Kale. Roger really liked that style. He also was influenced by artists such as Bob Dylan and Ry Cooter. But what really made the album come together, because he had, you know, he's a songwriter, he writes songs all the time, but he didn't want to sing these songs. And it wasn't until he heard the voice of one Randall Bramlett that he decided that maybe it would be good to record some songs with Randall and got in touch with him. And then the album started to take shape. Uh, but these are these are some songs that had been written over the course of, of time for Roger. You know, it's hard to do extraneous projects when you're with a band that has the, the experience and dedication of, of Deep Purple. You know, they're on tour so much. When they're not on tour, they're doing studio sessions for the next album. They don't get a lot of free time. So it's hard to find time to do projects like this. But I'm so glad that he did because I absolutely love this album. I was even more excited that Ear Music decided to do a re-release of it. I don't know what the record company was that had released it originally. But Ear Music got the rights to uh, to re-release it for whatever reason. Now, the album originally came out in 2002, and the re-release wasn't until October 8th of 2021. So, you know, a good 19 years, give or take a few months, before the re-release came out. But I'm so glad, so glad they did it, because this is a really unique and interesting album. Um, I'll just tell you really quickly, I got the uh, Digipack version, and uh, I like the fact that they did it as a CD tray instead of just sliding the CD into the cardboard pocket. I don't mind that for the booklets because the booklets usually stay in there pretty well, but the CDs tend to start falling out after time. So uh, being that there was only one disc in this package, they were able to do that. I'm not a huge fan of using plastics, but in this case, I think it's good. And it's a fairly minimal use of plastic just attached to the cardboard right there. But it's very nice. It's, uh, you know, the pictures, uh, the marketing of it is like handwritten notes on um, just regular paper that was pulled out of a spiral notebook. I love that. I love the the opening to the book, which looks like a letter. Um, it's just very, very well done, very traditional. There's a nice picture of Roger and, uh, on the front. And for some reason, his pants are down. I'm not going to speculate on what was happening in this picture, but we only see him from behind standing at a picket fence, looking out onto the street. Uh, it's a very simple cover. But the um, interesting thing is that this re-release is, is coming in the same month as Return uh, or Turning to Crime, the new album by Deep Purple. And this album is credited as Roger Glover and The Guilty Party. So we've got Turning to Crime, The Guilty Party, uh, kind of seems to go hand in hand. And maybe that was even the inspiration for re-releasing this album. You know, very well could have been. But in any case, uh, it's, it's really nice. It just looks like a, a an old photo album, an old leather-bound photo album with the fo photo, photo, can't speak yet this morning, photo as an insert into the album. It looks like it's inlaid into there. Um, very, very well done. It's a, a very nice package. And then on the back, of course, we got all the song titles and the bonus tracks that we're going to get into today. Uh, very, very cool stuff. 
Another thing I really like about the way they package this, and I don't have the original album, so I don't know if this was something that was done for the re-release or if it was originally that way, but there are, you know, they, they've really made this all look vintage. There's a postcard with a, you know, postal stamp on it. There's papers with, you know, a little bit of aging and yellowing and coffee stains and watermarks and ink splotches. And, um, you know, it's it's not like it's a, a perfect book like we get all the time where everything just looks like so clean and fresh and perfect and everything. Um, I really love the way they vintage this up. I don't know if that's an actual phrase, but it is now. Um, but it's very, very well done. Um, I, I absolutely love when they go to a little more extremes like this. It's a, this is one of the things that, you know, when you get the digital download, if you just buy it on iTunes or Apple Music or, or stream it on Spotify, you really miss out on this kind of stuff. There are some albums that come with the booklets, but I don't see it on very many of the albums I purchase. And so this is one of the reasons I actually do like to get the CDs from some of the bands that are, you know, my favorite artists you know, Blackmore's Night, Rainbow, White Snake, Purple. I really like to get the CDs because I, I really feel like I'm missing out not having the booklets and getting the full experience. Of course, the full experience would be the LP with the 12-inch album cover and all that, but, you know, we don't we don't get that anymore. Um, it's kind of a shame because, I, I, I mean, they're available, but they're kind of expensive. I don't have a record player anyway, so that just means I got to buy it twice. So that's kind of silly. But I, I do miss, like, I remember specifically getting, um, which one was it? <laughs> yeah, so specific. I think it was Burn, and it had the, uh, a, a, next to the album, there was another full-size page that had all the lyrics on it. And just listening to the album, sitting there, reading the lyrics, looking at the pictures and the artistry and everything that was involved in it, that was all part of the experience. And now with CDs, it's like everything's so tiny. I really should just invest in a magnifying glass because it's just kind of ridiculous trying to read the booklets. But I, I like the artistry of it, the watermarks, the ink splotches, the uh, fact that it looks like it was done on parchment, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I, I just love all of that. I think it's very classy. I love the way that they did these markers at the beginning of every song too. The uh, first letter in the... Uh, the lyrics of the song is done in this beautiful, really, um, I guess it would be a fantasy font. Uh, I don't know exactly what you would call it because I'm not that up on font terms except for wingdings. I still know that one, but uh, it's a courier, of course. But yeah, it's it's just very ornate, very well done. Uh, and I appreciate when people take the time to do that kind of thing. Uh, and again, I just kind of feel sad for the people that miss out on that in the digital download world. I'm very much a digital download person with most things, but like I said, with these bands and the people that uh, have the greatest impact on me, I, I, I'll i go the extra mile and get the CDs for those. Uh, Roger's daughter Jillian sings a song on this album, and, you know, I stumbled across her music on YouTube, actually. I was doing some write-ups for, for some marketing, and I had YouTube on on the other monitor, and I just had it on autoplay. And the song comes on, I'm like, wow, what is this? And I look, I'm like, it's Jillian Glover. I'm like, I've never heard of her, but I really like this. And then I just, you know, clicked on her channel and started listening to some songs. I reached out to her. Uh, we've had a couple of nice conversations over the last couple of years. Very sweet person, very good artist, uh, beautiful singer. I love the writing in it. And her stuff is not a style I would normally even give a chance to, to be honest. I'm I'm very picky about what kind of music I listen to now, especially new stuff, because, you know, my time is valuable. If I'm going to invest in something, I, you know, it has to be something I, I already have an inclination of, of enjoying. 
um, unless I'm listening for a review or something like that. Uh, but right off the bat, I was like, I want to hear more of what this girl has done. And uh, her music is really fantastic. I hope that she does more in the future. I think she's got a great voice. I love the songwriting. Um, very emotional, very powerful, great stuff to listen to. Um, check it out. Check her out on YouTube, Jillian Glover. And you'll get to hear her, you know, uh, on a song on this album. So let's get into it. The first song on the album is called My Turn. And this was written by Roger Glover himself. This is great. I mean, right off the bat, you hear that we're getting a great sound on the album. The recording is really crystal clear and fantastic. It's mixed beautifully. There's so many layers going on. I mean, right off the bat, we can tell it's kind of a funky song. We get some nice layers coming in piece by piece. And I love the build of that. Um, I love the groove of it. The snare drum sounds fantastic. It's just a great way to start an album. And I, I feel like I say that a lot, but it's like bands like this, they really know. And of course, Roger being a producer, you know, really know how to order songs on an album and where an album should start, where it should finish. And this is just a great way to kick off an album and say, here's what this is all about. You know, this is a, a one time thing so far. They, Roger was hoping to maybe get a month to do a tour with these guys and take this uh, act out on the road that hasn't happened up to this point. And um, so it, it really, it's a band, but it's not, you know, it, it's a band that got together to record one album at this point, but the, um, the musicianship on it is great. I mean, these guys are all session players, but he commented in, in one interview, I heard that everybody came up to him after the sessions were over and thanked him for it being such a, a fresh and different recording session. You know, a lot of studio musicians, they just come in, they lay their part down, they go home that's the end of that. They come back tomorrow. They do a different band, a different song. And these sessions just go by so quick. But this was actually something that became meaningful to them. Uh, he said most of the songs were done in one take. And of course, there were some overdubs, but the, the majority of everything was done in one take. They recorded it live. And I, I, I honestly think that there's a lot to be said for that. I think that's why it sounds so together, because they weren't they didn't just come in and play their parts. They actually played together. And he showed them how to do it on an acoustic, just kind of, you know, taught them the song and then they just recorded it. <laughs> you know, they learned it very quickly and recorded it. And so um, I think it it has a, a natural feel to it because they didn't have time to really overthink things. And, oh, what was the thing I did on the third take of this that I really liked? I want to do that on the on the seventh take. You know, it was just a matter of here's the song. Everybody learn it. Great. Let's go record it. And it was done just like that. So I think that kind of spontaneous recording um, really is is natural. Ian Pace has said that too. He's like, if you record a song more than three times, you're starting to overthink it. You're starting to try to do things instead of just feeling the song naturally. And so I think that those are all reasons why this album sounds so connected and so, uh, you know, alive. I think it's it's a great sound. And this song is really cool. Um, I really like Randall Bramlett's voice. I think it's perfect for this album. Uh, I don't really think of anybody that 
Roger could have gotten that would have made it necessarily sound better, different, but not necessarily better. But either way, yeah, it's a great grooving song. Um, it's just got a great feel to it. There's a couple of different layers of organs. You've got the full, you know, Hammond B3 sound, and then you've got the just kind of chipping away at the the deader version of it, where it's just like, wow, wow, you know, real just simple stuff, kind of like what John Lord played on Hush. Um, great sound to this song. The guitars are great. The bass is great. Vocals are crystal clear. I and mean, everything that you could want, you're getting right off the bat on the very first song in the album. Um, which leads us to the next song. This is also written by Roger called Burn Me Up Slowly. It kind of reminds me of my ex. Some days you got my shit together All my troubles floating You know, I'm going to have to take it back. I don't think that that was a Hammond organ doing those cutoff sounds. I think that was actually the guitar. You could hear it here uh, with a wah pedal. Sounds actually really good. I like the gentleness of this song. I think the voice is great. He kind of sounds like Roger Glover actually singing this song. Um, we get to hear Roger singing a little bit on Turning to Crime. And so, uh, you know, being familiar with his his voice a little bit over the years and, you know, albums like Mask, where he sang um, completely different album. That was so 80s, that album, but I like it a lot. Um, this one uh, just has like a really nice gentle flow to it. It kicks up a bit later, but um, yeah, it's just a, another enjoyable one. And I remember Roger talking about how Bob Dylan would tell a story and sometimes you wouldn't even care what the story is actually about, but you would just, you just enjoy listening to him tell it. You know, uh, I can't remember what the the song was. I think it was called Icarus maybe that he was referring to. And he's like, what the hell is it about? You don't know, but you could just enjoy listening to it. And, you know, for me, since I look at vocals more as an instrument than I do actually caring what the story of the song is, um, that's a very natural transition for me. I can listen to the cadence of a vocal, the gentleness, the emotion, uh, whether it's happy or angry or, or excited or scared, and just let that draw the feeling of how I enjoy the song. And the music, of course, should support that. It shouldn't be like really happy music with a, you know, I'm scared for my life kind of thing, unless you're doing a parody or comedy or something like that. So uh, you get the feeling from both the music and the vocal line. And I find that really fascinating. Um, on this one in particular, um, I just feel like I'm just kind of sailing along with him as he's telling me this story that I'm kind of half listening to as I'm, you know, just got my eyes closed and enjoying floating on the water. It's it's a really weird uh, feeling, but definitely what the song inspires in me and i like it I, I think it's a good song again love the snare drum i just love the power of the snare without it being loud and cutting through too much i think they found a really great balance for it our next song on the album is called beyond emily
you know, this song is is one that just moves so elegantly. You know, it, it sounds like the drummer is playing with brushes. It sounds a little bit kind of country or kind of like more modern country where it's not so much about, you know, the old twang of the country of the 50s and 60s, but that sort of modern cross between pop and country. It's got a light uh, sound to it. Um, really cool. But I, I love, again, the way that, that these songs are opening and then they have the layers come in and just kind of do that build. It's a really, really well-crafted thing that they've done on these songs so far. Um, I love the gentleness in Randall's voice on this. I think it's it's really important that he doesn't sing too powerful in this opening part. You know, all that can be developed later in a song, but to just kind of set the tone to ease somebody into the story, I think in a case like this, it, it really works. You know, I could definitely see why Roger chose him for this album. Um, but yeah, very, very cool song. And this song, uh, again, was written by Roger, as most of the songs are, are written by either Roger or Randall or them together. Um, our next song is called Queen of England, and this one was written by Randall Bramlett. like that slight distortion on Randall's voice there. That actually sounds really good. Kind of almost like it's uh, playing on the radio, you know, uh, the old Philco on the shelf. Um, love the shaker on this too. I think that really helps keep the song flowing because one like this with uh, without a, a solid drum beat, which you really don't want, you want it, you know, kind of toned down and a snare can kind of snap you out of that a little bit. Um, I, I like the, the way that they have this opening going and, and just using that shaker with the kick drum sounds really good. Love the guitar sound on it. That's just fantastic. Nice and crystal clear, beautiful recording, but it's more to what it, what it's playing. Um, it's, it's so simple, but yet it's so uh, enjoyable to listen to. You know, I, I'm so used to listening to technical things that I forget sometimes how much beauty there is in simplicity. And I think this song is a great example of that. It's just really enjoyable, great vocal sound, great guitar sound. Um, you got that shaker, uh, everything just really comes together. It hits all the elements, if you will. Some of you will get that joke and some of you won't. But that is Queen of England. And uh, I think it's a really good song. Uh, our next song up is called No Place to Go. And it was written by Roger. What a beautiful piece of music this is. I love the the gentleness, but I love the warmth that we're getting in the keyboards. 
Very, very lovely. Uh, just, just a nice song that you can just sit down and listen to and just let it take you where it will. Um, I kind of feel like that actually about most of the songs on this album, but this one in particular, it just has a, a glow to it. You know, um, it's not over the top. It's not uh, heavy. It's not hard hitting. It has a gentle snare in it. That's really nice. And uh, really just kind of, it, it makes it a, a defined song. It makes it, you know, having that, that beat in there, that's very solid, but at the same point, it's so well placed and especially in the mix that uh, it's not distracting or anything. It's just kind of, you know, it's there, you notice it, but it doesn't, you know, it doesn't hit you in the chest or anything like that at all. It's, it's very, very well done. Uh, interestingly, in the notes, this is a song that was, uh, looks like it was started as a jam with Deep Purple in January of 2001 with Ian Gillen and John Lord. But, you know, it was pretty quickly decided that this would be a song for Deep Purple. And he said the song came to him later in the entirety of about an hour. And, you know, sometimes things just happen like that. Uh, I find that some of the best stuff is stuff that happens quickly and it just doesn't give you a time to overthink it. It makes it very natural. It's how you felt it, not what you think intellectually the song should be. And maybe that's part of the magic of, of the song and the gentleness and the flowing of it is that it wasn't like, oh, you know what we should do here? And maybe we could do this there. It just it, it just feels like a very natural song. And I don't know, um, you know, how much these songs were. I mean, they were finished songs, but obviously the musicians are going to add their own flavor to it. So it's, it becomes everybody's song. Um but, uh, but you know, obviously the, the bulk of it would be Roger then, and then everyone just is there recording, oh, this is how I would play this, this is the drum fill I would add, this is how I would uh, use this tone on my guitar, is everyone happy with that? Great, let's, let's record that. Um, so a lot, I'm sure, of conversation, but, uh, you know, it's, it's Roger's song with everyone's individual imprint. I guess that's what the whole album is, whether it's Roger or Randall or Roger and Ramble, Randall, Ramble, Randall. Um, really nice song. I want to tell you guys, I meant to do this before I started getting into the review, um, just the way that this all worked out. I, I don't think I could have planned this better. Um, the album arrived just a few days before I had to go out of town for a couple of days and uh, I decided not to fly. I drove and I was going to listen to this album on the way back when I could, you know, all the all the thoughts in my head about my trip and what I needed to do and all those things were done. And I would just listen to it while I was casually heading back to Vegas and this is in the fall, and it was just the perfect time to hear an album like this. The weather was just starting to get chilly, so you would roll, you would have the window rolled down, but you would start putting it up, you know, as the sun went down because it was getting pretty cold out. Um, and there's just a certain glow of the sun setting in the autumn. There's just a golden light that it casts across the valley if you're heading west. And I mean, it does if you're heading east too, but um, just in this part of the country, it's a little bit different. And I I was listening to this album as the sun was going down. It was just the most perfect thing. Um, I took a picture while I was driving and I, I hope it it kind of gives the sense of it. Maybe it only does because I was there and I took the photograph, but I'll post that on the Facebook page uh, for the podcast. Uh, maybe some of you will, will identify with it, maybe not, but it just, it was like so perfect listening to this album with the sun setting and that golden glow, um, the chill in the air. Like I, I, I couldn't have made a better situation. I think unless we were performing these songs at a campfire, you know, I think that would have been a nice, 
uh, way to experience this music as well. But I don't know. It just all came together so beautifully. And I was thinking as I was driving, I'm like, I could not have planned this any better. And and I didn't plan to listen to it at sunset. That's just when I went, oh, I need to listen to this album. Um, I had been listening to some other stuff that, that I had written, just thinking about, you know, using it on future albums. And then um, I remembered that that I had this album to listen to. So I started listening to it and just, it just, the timing was just unbelievably perfect. So it's, it's one of those things that now, whenever I hear these songs, I will picture that sunset. I will picture that glow across the, the open land and, um, you know, the sun peeking through the, the hills and, and all that. Uh, just a really incredible experience. So, um, you know, a, a lot of times the first time we hear something or the first time we really pay attention to it can be so influenced by our environment. And uh, certainly the environment that I found was very, very supportive of the music and um, just the, the overall atmosphere and, and gentle nature of the album. It was it was just fantastic. Um, but that leads us to our next song. It is called The Bargain Basement. And this was also written by Roger Glover. don't think that I need to tell you that is not Randall Bramlett on vocals. Um, but I love the opening. The drum filter is a nice surprise. It doesn't seem too um, off. You know, sometimes a, an abrupt change in sound like that can make an album or a song sound off or misplaced. I don't think it does. I think it actually fills in quite well. Um, there's a great guitar solo in this song that you'll definitely want to check out. Um, but uh, I can tell you that this song um, is the oldest song on the album it was written in 79, so quite some time ago. And um, it, Roger just kind of said that he had it sitting around waiting for the right singer. And um, after his daughter Jillian had graduated, she spent a year in Egypt uh, working as a dive master and then called him up and told him that she joined a band and he went out to see her perform. He was just blown away and asked her to sing the song. Um, I remember her on her Instagram was talking about how nervous she was Um I think she sounds great. It's very natural. It sounds very relaxed. Um, I think the song suits her voice very well. I, I think Roger had a, a good idea to pick her to sing it. Plus, you know, it's a very personal song, which certainly helps bring out that emotion in the vocal. Um, really love her voice. I, I think she's a fantastic singer. Check out her stuff. Go to her channel on YouTube, just Jillian Glover Music, I think it is. And um, if I can find it again, I'll put the link in the show notes. Um, very, very good stuff. And I really love that he had her sing on this and I love that she did it. I think it's a great song. It's got a really good feel to it. The music is a little, uh, you know, with the, with the style of guitars, it sounds a little dark. I think it, it sounds darker than the song really is lyrically, but that's okay. I, it just sets an interesting mood, especially on this one. I think the songs are very moody on this album. And this one especially, I think it just sounds beautiful, though. I love it. I love the sound of the guitars on this album. 
I'm not a huge guitar guy being somebody that doesn't play guitar, doesn't really understand how guitar is played. Um, but in, in general, um, I, I definitely love the sound. There's so much going on on this one that how can you not enjoy it? Um, and speaking of enjoying things, how about the next song, What You Don't Say? That's the actual title. And this is written by both Roger and Randall. know it by the recording because the recording itself sounds very clean, very fresh, like it was recently done, um, crystal clear, right? But it really, this song really feels like something that would have come out in like the late 60s, early 70s, that chorus on the drums, the little guitar fill-ins that we're hearing, just the sound of the guitar itself, uh, the the vocals, especially the way that they're done. Um, also, the way that they're doubled here and there or harmonized, I really like that. But it definitely has like a late 60s, early 70s feeling to it. Um, what throws it off is just because the recording's so good. You know, um, but I really love the drums. There's some nice little cymbal hits that are very subtle that he's making uh, during the course of that that add just a little bit of color to it. Some, Like I said, the guitar fill-ins are really nice. Um, the vocal is just so nice and smooth and gentle. Uh, really dig it. It's a great tune. And it just it just kind of takes me back a little bit, even though, you know, like I said, it was written in a different time. But, you know, you could write a disco song right now that would fit in with the 70s. And even if you don't do a recording that's, you know, slightly muddy, a little bit, you know, fuzzy, uh, because that's the way that they were recording in 78, you know, you could still pull off a disco song now. I kind of feel like that's what happened here. Like, it's just written as if it happened in the late 60s or early 70s, but uh, it just sounds really clean and modern. And I dig it. I love that sound. Um, a lot of great music came from that time. So that's pretty cool. And that was what you don't say. but. Here, written by Roger Glover by himself, is a song called Nothing Else. This is just straight up a, a beautiful, beautiful song. Um, again, another just gentle vocal delivered, which really just kind of puts me in a tranquil state when I listen to it. The percussion is lovely. It's not uh, nothing harsh, just a, a little bit to keep the wheels of the song moving. And that accompanied with the acoustic guitar rhythms are, are just really wonderful. And uh, it reminds me... It's probably the only song that's ever reminded me of, of it, but Sitting in a Dream from the Butterfly Ball. It just has that sort of, you know, I'm just kind of kicking back without a care in the world feel to it. 
And I really like that. I, I've always loved that song. One of my favorites from Butterfly Ball. And yeah, this is a song that I could just lay back on the pillow or, you know, out on a blanket, looking up at the sky or out at the ocean, watching the waves roll in, just not caring about anything except being in that moment. And I love that. I absolutely love it. I love the theme of the song. I love the feel of the song. I even paid attention to the lyrics on this one. and They're really good. Uh, so, you know, a, another great song from Roger. And it's not surprising. I mean, the guy really knows how to put a song together. But the the band coming together and recording this the way they did with just that gentleness, you know, probably just sitting around in a circle watching each other while they play, just kind of, you know, I just I sense them just kind of bobbing their heads a little bit in the groove and just smiling at each other, feeling that really amazing moment. And considering that, you know, like Roger said, most of these songs were done in one take, save for some overdubs. Um, that was it. You know, it was just this moment and that's it, which in a way, it's kind of sad because this is such a great song. I would think that they'd want to play this one a few times. But when you're in a recording studio, if the song's done, the song's done and you move on to the next one. And that's pretty much the way it goes. So, uh, yeah, great song. I really love this one. I have to say that's that's going to be one of my favorites. And we're only, you know, about halfway through the album. So um, that being said, let's see what is next. So now that we've said nothing else, let's say it could have been me because, you know, it could have. And this one, as it just so happens, was written by Roger Glover. know if this was categorized as a southern rock song or not it kind of has that feel to me but the first thing that stands out to me is that the snare has a good pop to it but it's also kind of subtle and muted at the same time like it's not a hard thwack sound that you know just takes you out of the song it, it really blends in nice with the gentleness of the guitars and i've noticed that as a theme throughout this album it was very well recorded he's not hitting it very hard he's hitting it enough to be pronounced but not, you know, cut through or override or, you know, bring you out of what you're listening to. It's not that hard of a rock song, but it it just like that with the guitars sounds so good. And I, I really love the, just the overall tonality of the song. Again, another really gentle vocal and a little bit harder of guitars, but not again, so much that it's, it really feels like a rock song. It feels more like a casual Southern rock sort of song. Um, but beautiful vocal, absolutely beautiful vocal. I love the idea of it too. You know, I could have been this, I could have been that. There's all these things that could have happened to me or that I could have chosen to do and I didn't. And that is so true of life, isn't it? I mean, we all have so many opportunities, so many choices that we can make, especially when we're younger. Uh, you know, the world is your oyster. You can do this or that or, or whatever, depending on your circumstances, or you can create better circumstances. But there's so many things like no matter what you pick or what couple things you pick to do in life, there's so many things you didn't. And you probably could have been good at a lot of them or successful at a lot of them. 
really hard to say. So I, I love that. I, I just think it's a great song. The ending is really nice too. Um, but one thing, if you guys have noticed, just listening to the titles of the songs, I mean, there's a very ongoing theme of how personal the album is. It's, it's about a personal journey. It's about, you know, the things that happen in life. And that with this kind of music, you know, this sort of storytelling um, style of music like Bob Dylan uh, is is not too uncommon, but I love it. I love the way it, it just kind of feels like somebody's sitting down and telling me personal stories about their actual history. And that's pretty rare because I'm usually mostly disconnected from the lyrics. So that I have to say is is a pretty charming part of this album for me. And, uh, and I really like that. Um, our next song is called The More I Find. And this is again written by one Roger Glover, who you may be familiar with. I would say so far, just from my familiarity with him as an artist, this is probably the most Bob Dylan sounding song on the album. Um, I'm not a, a, a huge uh, listener of his. I know a couple songs. Uh, I've heard a few, but I only really know a couple. So it's it's hard for me to judge. But just thinking about like the music of like a Rolling Stone, um, that that has that um, that kind of feel to it. Maybe a little bit piratey too, kind of feels a little bit piratey. I'm hearing a, a, a very distant flute in this song. And that could be my imagination, but I'm pretty sure I heard it. It's really just creeping through a little bit here and there, um, but a nice touch and why I think it feels piratey. Also, it's kind of like a, you know, like a couple of guys or three or four people, maybe uh, arm in arm, just swaying back and forth, singing the song. I get that feel from it too. So, you know, maybe a bunch of drunk pirates, maybe a bunch of sober friends, who knows? But it it has that feel to it. But it's really lovely. Um, really fits this album well. I think it's nice to have this song. I think in this position to have something that's a, a little bit um, kind of cheerful in a way, but also not at the same time. Um, it's a really interesting song. But I I love the idea of it. And I forgot to mention too, for those of you who did not get the digi pack or anything that had the booklet in it, you get the lyrics. And you also get a little bit of a write-up from Roger after each of the songs, which is really cool. And I, I read a little bit about um, from that earlier, but I thought that was really super cool because you don't normally get that. You don't get the insight that you would love to have sometimes. Sometimes it's nice to just take music for what it is, you know, but when it's an artist that you really respect, somebody that you really care about what they do you have great respect and appreciation for them like I do for Roger, it's really nice to be able to get a little bit more insight. You know, um, it, it's it's kind of a, a, a big treasure to me. And I'm so even, you know, doubly glad now, I don't know if doubly is a word, but it is now, um, that I bought this instead of just downloading the album. You know, I, I really am. Um, this just these little paragraphs and I'm going to have to get a magnifying glass so I can read them better because they're very tiny print and I get headaches reading tiny, tiny print. 
Um, but I, I'd like to read more. In fact, I, I had to stop recording because I was getting a headache trying to read one of them earlier. And I, I'm like, all right, I'm gonna have to go away for an hour, kind of rest my eyes a bit and then come back. I feel better now. But yeah, these these things are hard to read for, you know, old people like me. Uh, great song, though. I absolutely love it. I think it's a beautiful song. It's one that I definitely, you know, this whole album, actually, I think this is a great travel album. Like, it's a great album to just put in the car, get on the highway and just go wherever you're going to go. You know, maybe even no destination in mind. You just need to get out on the road for a bit. This is a great album for travel music. Um, yeah, especially at sunset in the fall. That's how that was just so perfect. Anyway. Uh, before I, I just continue on down that uh, nostalgic journey from recently, here is the next song. It is called When It Comes to You, and this is written by Glover and Bramlett. I don't think that Southern rock is necessarily the right term for this song. And I really kind of hate labeling things in general, but that's what it, I'm coming up with for some reason. It, but it's a great song. Another one that just grooves. It has such a great groove to it. There's just a, a real feel of, of movement in this song. You know, uh, again, it's that picking of the guitars, the, the shuffling feeling of the, the rhythm, um, I really like Roger's bass on this, especially. I think this is the the best bass song I've heard so far. Um, it, it and the vocal line is great. It's just the classic. The way that the end of the line tails off. Um, I I really dig the song. It's it's you know once again another another great song from Roger Glover, and it's not surprising. I mean I I can't think off of the top of my head any song that I know he's written that I haven't liked. Not a single one comes to mind. Um, that's that's a pretty good track record because I've heard a lot of his stuff. Um, you know, and despite what I said about Mask being a, a very 80s album, I love the 80s. I think it's a great album. Um, and, you know, given that I've just said that he hasn't done anything that I didn't like, uh, that includes that album. So there it goes. Um, next up, we've got a song called Some Hope. Once again, written by the master himself, Roger Glover. love that it starts out with this really dark, you know, piano crash and then just goes up into the register of hope. That's a, a really cool uh, metaphorical opening. I, I don't know specifically if he meant it that way, but I, I'm getting that out of it. Um, really, really nice. I, I think that this is another song that really has that, that 60s, early 70s feel to it. 
um, really nice, just shuffling on the drums along with some snare hits there that that um, keep it defined. You know, keep a defined beat, but um, really just love the overall sound. And another great bass song for Roger on this one. Um, really uplifting, you know. And you know, there's one point that says some hope for nothing. And I thought, you know, sometimes that's good too. We always hope for things we want, uh, things we want to have, things we want to do, things we want to be. And sometimes it's good to just say, you know what? I, I hope for nothing right now. I'm just going to enjoy the moment I'm in. I thought that was a really cool line. And, and you know, again, that's my interpretation of the song, but I thought that that fit very well and very pleasantly. Um, yeah, I really dig this one. Some great guitar work. I love the the trade-offs between the piano and the guitars. Really, really cool stuff. And then we get a, a section where the drums kind of join in with some buzzing snare rolls. Uh, really, really cool song. And um, another one that I'm I'm really glad that I got to hear. Well done, Roger. So as we wind down to the last couple of tracks on the album, this one is written by Roger himself, and it's called If I Could Fly. Another just beautiful song. This is such an amazing album. I really love it. A um, couple interesting points that uh, Roger pointed out on this one is that there is no uh, rider hi-hat. What we're actually hearing is uh, Joe Bonadio, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, is uh, actually hitting a metal bar instead of a cymbal, which is uh, giving it a bit of an interesting sound, something kind of similar to a closed hi-hat, but a little unique at the same time. Uh, very cool. And in case you're wondering, the sax is actually being played by Randall Bramlett. Very beautiful, uh, very gentle, not overpowering. Again, the sax is, a, is an instrument that can really cut through or it can really just add these just gentle layers to a song. And they've chosen the latter on this one. I love it. I think it, it adds a, a little bit of flavor, something different towards the end of the album. And, um, you know, the percussion on this one is really good. Another great bass song. Just this whole album just hits all the checkmark boxes for me on what I enjoy in music. And it's not about what style it's in. It's just about how it makes you feel. And this album, uh, it really just gives me good feelings. And, you know, I, I know we have some bonus tracks to cover, but it's I'm kind of sad that we're on the last song of the album. It's called It's Only Life, and it's by Roger and Randall. And, you know, that is a really interesting title because it just kind of makes me feel, without hearing the song, without, you know, playing it right now and being in the moment of it, it kind of just makes me feel like, you know what? All these things just come our way. Challenges, happiness, joy, frustration, anger sorrow, ecstasy, and all of it, you know, good or bad, it's only life. Like, it's not that big of a deal. Anything that happens that that just pisses us off or, you know, uh, really just makes us happy for a moment and then we crash like a sugar rush, uh, you know, they, they just aren't that big of a deal. It's just life. I, I like that. We'll see where the song goes, though.
I remember hearing Roger say one time, and I can't remember what the context was. I know it was a video interview, not like a podcast or, or anything, but he said, it's always a good idea to have a shuffle on an album. And he has certainly come through there. Um, this one's a bit long for me. Um, it's a good way to end, to end the album though, kind of like on an upbeat, happy note. Um, I love the vocal on it. I mean, the vocal really drives the song, but it's it's just a, a nice, straightforward shuffle. Um, I love the guitar. I'm going to say that's a slide guitar. I hope I'm right on that. But again, kind of that little bit of that Southern feel into it. Um, really cool song, though. You know, it's it's just got a great feel to it. And um, I think it's a great way to kind of put a little bow on the album. It's like a little bit of a party at the end. You know, that that last bit of celebration before everyone goes home. Uh, I have to say this, this probably isn't an album that I would think about every day or be like, oh, I've got to hear some of this. I've got to hear some of this, but it would be an album that as soon as I put it on, I'd be so glad that I did. And I would go right back into these, you know, warm memories of driving home into the, you know, to that, that golden glow across the, the, the plains. Um, yeah, this is a fantastic album. And, um, I, I am so grateful that they re-released it and gave us some some bonus tracks that we're going to get into right now. I'll just play a, a, a brief clip of each because we've heard uh, the songs themselves before. Uh, the first one is Burn Me Up Slowly. This is a demo. And uh, Roger said, a song that grew into itself in my Connecticut home studio in 1997. Um, that's right. He was living in the States back then. Uh, so here's a little bit of that. Okay, so we have a bit of a mess here. According to the CD itself, this song should have been my or should have been "Burn Me Up Slowly." What we actually heard in the clip was "My Turn," so we're a song off. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how it goes. But that was quite a, a you know an interesting version of it. It's uh, it got a different sound, um, which I like. I think it's cool for a demo, but not the song that we were intending to hear. So according to um, where we're at on the album, I'm going to guess the next one should be Beyond Emily. Let's see if I'm right. Okay, so that was Beyond Emily. That was listed as my turn. So everything is one song off. Hopefully the last song will then be Burn Me Up Slowly like it was supposed to be. So uh, for Beyond Emily, the only thing that Roger said was uh, recorded in my Connecticut home studio in the late 90s. Pretty simple. Um, 
Yeah, uh, this whole thing is throwing me off now because it's out of order. So uh, let's go to the next one and see if that's what it is. I suspect it's going to be nothing else, but we'll find out in just a minute. Okay, so that was nothing else, and that is labeled as nothing else. So that at least is back on track. And um, yeah, this is really weird. I'm still going to have to figure out what went wrong here. Um, so I've got two tracks left to play. We've got two tracks left to hear. Which ones are they? <laughs> Uh, we will find out here in just a second. But uh, as far as nothing else goes, uh, this is another one. Roger's only comment was recorded in my Connecticut home studio in the late 90s. So uh, pretty simple. Sounds really good, though. I really like it for a demo song. It sounds great. Um, yeah, I really dig it. Um, let's see what the next track is. Okay, so now we're back on track. That is Bargain Basement. It is titled as Bargain Basement. It is the last song uh, on the album. So the last three, it looks like, are correct. Uh, and the first couple were were done. So I had skipped track 15 because I was going in order of the way they were uh, in the booklet. But uh, so I'm going to guess that the track that's labeled uh, Beyond Emily is actually Burn Me Up Slowly. And we're going to find out in just a second. I just want to comment on this one first. Uh, the Bargain Basement. Actually, this really sounds nice with Roger singing on it. Uh, I think he's got a good voice for this kind of music. And uh, I love what Jillian did. And this is kind of where I question how a person likes a song, because I heard the version with Jillian first. And do I like it better because I heard hers first? Or do I like it better because I like it better? Uh, it's hard to say. I actually like them both. This is a very nice version. Um, it has a different sound to it, of course. You know, it's not the whole band or, or anything, but um, really is a, a, a beautiful song. And um, I'm glad to hear the demo of this. I can certainly see how it ended up to have the final version that it did. Uh, so that's really, really cool. Um, but I always I always find it curious on why I like one version of a song better than another version. And it could be because this one's under, underdeveloped and that one's full. Um, it could be a lot of things, but, uh, in any case, yeah, I like them both, but I, I do have to give the nod to Jillian on this one. Although I love how Roger sounds on this. I, I think he's a very good singer 
when he finds the right stuff for his voice. Could he be the lead singer for Deep Purple? No, it's just not his style. He doesn't have that hard drive uh, in him, I don't think, for for that kind of consistent singing, maybe for a song or two, but not to, to front a band with his voice. I think his voice is great for a lot of other stuff, as evidenced in this song uh, and some other ones that he's done on Mask. I think he he really has a great voice. It's just a matter of whether he wants to sing or not. You know, sometimes as a writer, you write a song and you think, you know, who would sound really good on this is this other person. And you don't think about yourself as the performer. A lot of times we don't want to do it. It's not what we do. Sometimes you have to and sometimes you want to. But a lot of times you're looking for the right voice for the song that you wrote, which isn't necessarily your own. Uh, So let's see what this last track is. Uh, It is listed as track 15 Beyond Emily. I'm going to lay my money down on it being Burn Me Up Slowly. Okay, so it looks like it's the first three bonus tracks that are out of order the way that they're listed on the uh, the CD. So if you rip the CD, uh, those three names will be out of sorts. Um, very interesting. But I like this. I, I think it's, uh, again, another great song. I love the version of it. I love just the warmth and the feel of it. It's the kind of song that you can just, you know, wrap yourself up in and enjoy. And that's the kind of music that I love very much. I mean, I love hard rock. I love new age. I love classical, um, some country, some rap, but, but this is the kind of music that I, I can just enjoy without having to put too much thought into it. And that is, is really the kind of music that I like. My brain is on, on overload most of the time anyway. So it's nice to be able to just relax and and drift into something very comfortably and just enjoy it for what it is without, having to analyze it too much or naturally wanting to analyze it too much. It's just a great album. So if you happen to be listening, Roger, thank you so much for putting this out there for us. I'm so glad that you and Ear Music got together and got this one back out. I appreciate the bonus tracks. I love the liner notes in the booklet. Um, A great package. And hopefully, you know, I I enjoyed the time that we met and I hope I get the chance to do that again. Um, I have a lot to thank you for. And um, maybe one day, That'll happen. But in the meantime, I hope you guys enjoyed my review of it. Um, I didn't talk about me at the uh, at the beginning. I usually give a quick update on where I'm at. So I'll just do that now. Uh, thank you all very much for the feedback on my new album, The Forgotten Puppet Show. It's been absolutely wonderful. Um, I, I've really appreciated everyone who's listened, who's shared, um, who has uh, given me feedback on it. It's It's been very positive and uh, I appreciate that. It's an experimental album, so you never really know how people are going to react. But so far, at least the people that have said something to my face have been very nice about it. Uh, so thank you. Um, on deck, actually, I am finally working on my uh, book trilogy. Uh, my editor and I are hard at work on getting through that. And then uh, while that goes out to the beta readers, you know, dealing with the artwork and all of that sort of thing. Uh, but that, after all these years, is finally moving forward. And I'm very excited about that. After that, I will start working on the new album and uh, still have a few seasons left of Uriah Heap, the Magician's podcast that I'm working on. I'm actually getting fairly close to where the guys are now 
in uh, in real time. The new album, of course, has not come out yet. I'm not sure exactly when it will be out. Hopefully the timing, this would be amazing if the timing uh, was, it came out right when I'm finishing up with uh, their, their last album, Live in the Dream. Then the new one comes out and I do that season in order without having to do a you know, like an early, uh, you know, reaction thing to to get something out there for the new album and promote it. Uh, that would be just perfect if it fell that way. Whether it will or not, I have no idea. That's all in the hands of the record company. Um, but uh, yeah, I haven't heard a single note and I have no release date at this point. Um, but this is the last show of the year. So I want to wish you guys all a safe and happy new year. You know, I live in Vegas. It's a very dangerous place at times on New Year's. Yes, they blocked the strip off for the fireworks show. Apparently that is coming back this year, which is a good sign. But, you know, there are still a lot of drunk people on the road and not every accident happens in a car. So, you know, wherever you are, be safe, be smart. You know, celebrating the the changing of one second to another is really not a reason to do anything crazy or stupid. Um, We've had uh, enough loss due to COVID and normal circumstances. Let's not make it worse. Everybody, please be safe. Stay wherever you're at. Be uh, on guard for yourself and be on guard for those around you too and those you care about. That's very important because anybody can do anything stupid at any time as we've noticed by just looking outside. So uh, I wish everyone a safe and wonderful Happy New Year. Hope you guys have a good time. And we'll see you next year for the next season of the Haskin Cast podcast. Cheers.